The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The microphone. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. You know, <clears throat> it was so still sitting here that I was reluctant to ring the bell. And then I was reluctant to stop listening to the bell. I was so at ease. And I thought, here I am about to introduce a topic about suffering. Ah, bummer, bad news. <laughs> Why would I do that to us? <laughs> so please know that my intention is to eliminate suffering and not to make it worse. <laughs> so what I want to talk about today is holiday dharma. Holiday dharma. We are a few weeks into, we're a couple of weeks into December and a couple of weeks before the end of the year. And this is a period of time which seems to be particularly wrought with stress. All kinds of stresses. It's really no different than the, any other time of the year, of course, except for all of the expectations that we wrap up around holidays. Many, many, many expectations. We introduce the concept of added busyness. More busyness. Run, 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 run. Too many things to do, many demands. The demands of gifting, giving and receiving, fraught with difficulties, fraught with plans, fraught with disappointments. Traditions. Tradition. You know, the, I, every time I find myself thinking about traditions, there's that song in Fiddler on the Roof where the guy stands up and he, he sings loudly in favor of tradition. It has so much weight, so much weight. Seasonal depression <laughs> sort of follows into that somewhere. And all the, all the differences that we find between ourselves, between members of our family, between different cultures, different traditions, largely, largely our suffering arises, however, out of expectations. Our expectations, other people's expectations, the culture's expectations. It's easy to say we should let go of expectations. But really, let's be honest. Nobody wants to be unhappy. We all just want to be happy. We all have expectations and ideas about what's going to make us happy. What contributes to happiness? What's going to make the people we love happy? We don't choose to be unhappy. So I thought maybe what we could do is talk a little bit about why suffering arises around our expectations, specifically to this time of year. We're not going to be all that general. You know, uh, I recently came off a time when I, I had overscheduled myself. I, I really took on too many things, and then there were some health issues that needed to be dealt with, and 
hmm, logistics, personal logistics things that I thought would be long solved by now. And so I fearlessly went in and made all these commitments. So the commitments ended Sunday. And I thought, all right, I'm looking forward to some unscheduled time. That didn't last through the first two hours of Sunday morning. (laughs) The unexpected arose, some pleasant, some unpleasant. Okay, start over, right? This happens. We, We kind of had these ideas where we can set up some future time when it's going to be okay for us. Or we have a time in mind when we're going to take care of all the extra things that happen around the holidays. And somehow that time just disappears and those opportunities disappear and we find ourselves breathless. What happened? A good time to remember to take a breath. Oh, okay. We have work or we're looking for work or we don't have work. Different kinds of categories of work, things that we've committed to do. We have family things that we always do for our family, new things the family wants to have happen, our love life or lack of, expectations, busyness around how do I make this work well, how do I protect this. Well, let's see, the Christmas pictures are coming up. Maybe I can lose 10 pounds by Christmas. I'm going to do more exercise. I'm going to slip that in between. I'm... I know that this is a tough time, so I'm going to be particularly careful about my meditation time. You know, we start listing all the things that we're going to do to protect ourselves, to get all the extra things done. We have operational issues. We have uh, plans for how creative we're going to be this year. (laughs) Oh, this year. This year I'm going to do it differently. This year I want to volunteer and I'm going to do something special for that. There are world issues that cause us stress, worry, dismay. We have dreams and we wonder how to fit it all together. And we find ourselves just running like little rabbits. So we say, I'm going to be mindful going to just be mindful of what's happening. And the first thought that comes up is, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to do all the things that I want to do. Sometimes we do so much hand-wringing that we don't have any time left over for the things we want to do. Lists. The mind keeps planning. We have the schedule. We have the lists. How many times do you list the same things in your mind? This is what the mind does. When the mind is under stress, it immediately immediately wants to organize everything. My mind does. Maybe not everybody does this. So, but my mind is very prone to making lists, planning the schedule. How am I going to get it done? And then I realize, you know, I'm just going to start writing down the list because mentally going over it is not very efficient. <laughs> oh, that's what's going. There's a fear of not being good enough. I'm just not going to be able to do this. Other people manage to do this. How come I can't make this happen? How come I can't get this in there? Why do I have to worry about whether 
I don't know, my loved one is, uh, uh, thinks I'm doing my part or not. That's just one more thing I have to worry about. Notice the repetitive mind. If it keeps happening over and over again, question it. (laughs) Doom, 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 doom. The same theme, same theme keeps coming up in in your thoughts. Same theme. Okay, are you trying to tell me something here? <laughs> oh, is there something I should be paying attention to? Maybe, and maybe not. Maybe it's just fear. Okay, fear. I'm going to just realize that I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what's going to happen when the family gets together. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to get together. I'm afraid that I'm going to do the wrong thing. I'm afraid that Uncle Charlie is going to do the wrong thing. I'm afraid all the things that we can be afraid of. Notice that one of the reasons for making lists is I'm afraid of something that hasn't happened yet. Oh, oh, it hasn't happened. Hmm. Let the repetitive mind go. Don't start with something big like all your expectations. Let, let that be out there and work on something that you have some, some control over. It's difficult, even when we see a mind habit, to do something about it. You know, if you're an organizer and you see yourself organizing, hmm, I can see that organizing happening again. Okay. Let go of being the organizer. The organizer. The organizer. Everything depends on me. Notice thoughts like everything depends on me. Who said? Who said? Maybe we're confident that we can do something. I had this experience when yesterday, yesterday morning, I was absolutely certain I could do something. I've done it many times. Started out to do it and wrenched my back. It was devastating to discover I probably am too old to be crawling up on top of ladders and doing this kind of stuff. Maybe that was not wise. But the worst part was saying, maybe I shouldn't have tried it. And hearing myself beat myself up for something and not allow it to be true that maybe I shouldn't have been doing that. (laughs) What happens when we set a goal and we don't reach it? Because a large part of expectations is, is like that. I have a goal. In order for me to be happy, this has to be true. Beware, beware, beware. In order to be happy, this has to be true. There's something out there that has been set up as a fantasy that is the answer to a problem. Better to examine what is it that I'm trying to solve and have an intention toward that than to have a goal. Because the goal can often be a cause for suffering. If, for example, 
that my intention is to provide a warm, happy environment for the holidays for my family. This is a very worthy intention. The goal of having it look a particular way is asking for trouble. Often the best way to end suffering is to let go of the only way to do it, mind. The only way to do it, mind. So, all of us have memories. You know, um, there, are, there are certain memes about the holidays. Things that you see visually. I, re- I remember going to Australia one time in December on business. And there on the department store window was a Santa Claus and a snowy chimney. And of course in Australia it's summer in December. It was so patently absurd. And, that, and yet here, here in California, is not that much difference. In, in the Bay Area, we don't see much snow. But the meme of the snowy Santa is out there. And when I think about end-of-the-year holidays, I have these images that come into my head from old Christmas movies. You know, snowy, sleigh bells, Now, part of the reason this is so strong for me is that as a child, I grew up in Montana where it did snow and we had icicles and, you know, so so it is stuck in my head and there are these images about what it should look like, how it should be. You have to have Christmas cookies and you have to have all of these things. I mean, there are all kinds of, all kinds of images stuck back there that are based on hopeful ideas about what it feels like to celebrate the holidays a certain way. And yet, I can remember some holidays that were absolutely glorious and some holidays that were absolutely horrid, involving the same set of people. Norman Rockwell set us up. I get that. (laughs) I get that. I get that. You know, there are um, there are lots of traditions that we have because they support the community that we want to have at Christmas around the holidays. See, even now, one of, one of my intentions is not to use the word Christmas because it can be culturally limiting. I want to use the word holiday. But it is so stuck in my linguistic behavior. I have a hard time letting go of it. It's kind of like the Santa meme of the, red, the chubby red guy with the, the fuzzy hat, and, you know? We have a hard time letting go of these things, even if we have the intention not to, to go there. So you decide you're going to make Christmas cookies. This is always fun. They have a little, you have a little star, and they're painted red, and then somebody paints one blue, and the corner falls off the star, and you're going, oh, no, this is terrible. And you're not having any fun 
making Christmas cookies. The question is, why are you making those cookies if you're not having any fun? (laughs) Because the intention, the intention is to have fun, is to create pleasure. If you are not creating pleasure right here and now, stop. Stop. Check in with the intention. Let the flower fall all over the floor. Okay, that's what's happening in this particular batch of Christmas cookies. I don't remember when I stopped making holiday fudge, but I used to make fudge. And the reason I made fudge, there was always fudge in my family. It was a requirement. But you know what? It turned out I never made good fudge. (laughs) Nobody would ever eat it. (laughs) There was always something wrong with it. And I finally figured out that what I was really doing with the fudge was bringing my mother to my holiday. My mother died when I was very small. I was 12 when my mother died. And she made fudge every holiday, and she was really a good fudge maker. (laughs) So now what I know is the memory of my mother is much sweeter than my fudge. No more fudge. I just remember Christmas with my mother. Okay, I don't dwell on it. I recognize it. Okay, that's what that urge is. I can let that go now. I don't need to make the fudge. Sometimes it has to do with the thrill of it all, you know? I mean, we're supposed to be running around. Running around gets the adrenaline going. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, it's supposed to be energetic somehow. Somehow, holiday celebrations are supposed to be energetic. So you manufacture energy to make it all happen. You know, it's good. It should be jolly. Jolly. Watch your energy. Are you manufacturing that energy? Are you trying to create an image? Or does it feel joyful? Ah, that's the word. When is the energy joyful? And when is the energy like an engine to make something happen? Something that's leading off to the future. What's wrong with right now? What's wrong with right now? Is the heart longing for something? Ah, a reaching out, a reaching out. Can I see the entanglement between what I'm doing and what I want and that it's all about wanting something that's maybe quite ephemeral? And is there another way to get that wanting? Is there another way to be joyful? Does it have to be we all have to get together and sing Christmas carols? Or is that playing on a memory? What's the difference between a passion and drivenness? Really, it's, it's kind of the energy of them. Whether one is creative 
or whether it is determined. Is there obsession or is there ease? Choose the way of ease. Choose the way of ease. More like the stillness we had that I was reluctant to break with the bell. Watch for, I just want everything to be perfect. I just want everything to be perfect. Wow, bad time of year to decide that. It's so big. Who said that we control what happens? We don't. Just like my Sunday morning, (laughs) when I was so sure now it's going to be a leisurely slide. Yeah. No. No. Because we, we can set an intention for something. We can condition the next moment, but we can't determine the next moment. Pay attention to how intention conditions the next moment. Think about your intention. Don't just assume you know what it is. Think about your intention. What is my intention? And then notice how that intention sets you up. Does it set you up for seeing things emerge? There's room for things that just happen. Or is it intention that directs everything in such a way that if it doesn't happen, you're not going to be happy? There's another approach that people take, and that is a kind of numbing out. These are the official bah humbug people. I'm not going to get sucked into this emotional thing. There are too many things on our plate because we actually don't want to feel anything. We're a little afraid of that. If I keep myself really busy, I don't have to look at any pain that I have. I don't have to think about my memories and then maybe hmm, worry about why it happened. Think about how I feel unloved. Think about how I feel inadequate. So if I just blow off the whole thing, forget this holiday stuff, then I don't, I don't have to look at my own pain. I don't have to consider it. And sometimes that's a wise thing to do. Like I said before, I don't want to introduce suffering with the idea of increasing suffering. But sometimes it's useful to notice when you are afraid of opening your heart. Because one thing is certain, if you don't open your heart, particularly to yourself, it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold and it's going to be hard. So I was speaking with someone last week, a friend, who said she really felt unlovable that her parents told her she was unlovable. And I thought, wow, what a terrible thing to carry through your life. 
How do you deal with that? What do you do with that kind of pain? Could I tell somebody they should open themselves up to feeling that kind of pain all the time? No, I can't do that. And yet, not opening one's heart leaves one always closed and bereft. How do you deal with that? Maybe you go out and find someone else, some other little girl who feels unloved and give her some love, just some love, not a present, just be there for her. Maybe in the process of being there for that other little girl who feels unloved and alone, there's a way into doing that for yourself. It doesn't have to, we don't have to do grand gestures here. But being in touch with our own pain allows us to be open to someone else's and perhaps see ourselves in that someone else. It introduces the heart into our experience. You know, often around holidays, we think about how we want it to be a certain way that was so wonderful. And sometimes we say, boy, I never want that to happen again. And in the process, we sort of stop realizing that whatever occurred then, the great love, the outpouring of warmth, or the, the sharp pain of, of hurt, is actually happening now when we're considering it and pushing it away or holding it tight to us. That pushing away and holding it tight is happening now. Be gentle. Be gentle with yourself. These are usually, things around holidays tend to be very deep-seated. Very deep-seated. And along with mindfulness of the present, keep compassion as a close companion. For yourself and for others. You know, a lot of the battles over things like uh, traditions have to do with person A not seeing what person B is seeing and person B not seeing what person A is seeing. We know when our traditions are being trampled. But what about the other person? I have a friend that I haven't seen for quite some time with whom I used to celebrate the holidays every year. And one of her traditions was that she would have a party and she would sing Danny Boy, which doesn't seem like a real holiday song, but for her it had real meaning. And she would sing it loud and long and off-key. And everybody would dread, okay, here it comes, the Danny Boy recital. And yet what was true was that this had deep, deep, deep meaning for her. It, there was something in her that cried out with that song. And just being present for her feeling for that song 
was so warming. When I could get past the, oh no, not again, part of my mind, and notice the part that reached out toward whatever it was that drove her with the song, the whole experience changed for me, just turned around. It was like an example of right speech. Right speech. Wise speech. We can think of the time around the holidays in general as a time for wise speech. And the elements are, is it true? Is it useful? Is it timely? And is it kind? Is it true? Is it useful? Does it make a difference? Is it timely? Is this the right time to speak this truth? And is it kind? And if we look at all of the things that happen around the holidays with those four things in mind, think of the experience around this as a conversation. It's a conversation between you and yourself between you and your close family, between you and the wider culture? And how can I be skillful and wise and minimize suffering for myself and everyone else? Is it true? Is what I think about this true? Is my memory true? Is this a skillful way to do to meet my intention is it true is it useful will it make a difference to hold this truth will it make a difference and is that difference skillful and we've all had these ideas this time i'm going to tell him what i really think i'm going to be really honest and have the whole thing blow up in our faces. And then, you know, the brother doesn't speak to you for 15 years. Is it timely? Is this the right time? Is this, is this the time to tell somebody something? Is this the time for me to know something about myself. Maybe this is the perfect time, and maybe there's too much happening right now for this. What is the conversation I need to have with me? And is it kind? If you have no other intention to carry around with you, please be kind. Have the intention of kindness to yourself, to your family, to the world you encounter. Kindness. You know, in the holidays, everybody wants to be in love. Oh, it's so wonderful. You know, there are movies about people who never want to be alone on New Year's Eve. If we're alone, let's say we'll be together. Like it's some kind of horrible curse. We feel sorry for ourselves. We feel sorry for other people. Oh, I'm alone. Why is, it, why is this night any different than any other night? There's something about expectations. 
in an emotional time, we want to have the support of somebody grabbing our hands. When I was, uh, I don't know, 19 or so, I was in college, and I had decided I wanted to do some volunteer work, and so they assigned me to go visit uh, on the skilled nursing floor of this hospital that was close to the college, and there was an, oh, an elderly woman that I was assigned to. And so I went with all of my enthusiasm. I was going to sit there with her and listen to all her stories, and we were going to have a good time. And um, her story was, my son's going to come and pick me up in two weeks. And she would tell me this every 15 minutes and every time I came. And at that point, I had no experience with dementia and didn't understand that her son was never going to come and pick her up and didn't understand that she didn't know she had just told me this and didn't understand how I could be with this. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And I said, I can't do this. I can't keep going back there. Her son's not coming. How could he be so cruel to her? <laughs> I had totally put myself in her place, and, but not her mind. In her mind... Her son was coming in two weeks to take her home. In my mind, I knew this wasn't going to happen, and I couldn't be there with her. I think I could now. Well, I have with other people. But then I couldn't do that. Then it was too heartbreaking. Too heartbreaking. It's very useful to understand how your own suffering becomes conflated with someone else's and to separate them. You can come with your own wounded heart to someone else's party and be with their wounded heart. And it can be a warm experience, a loving experience experience. If we have the idea that this sounds depressing, it probably will be. If we have the idea of just showing up and having the conversation with someone with the intention to be kind, a very different experience arises. We have conditioned it differently. So one of the biggest things that happens around this time of year is the whole process of gift-giving and receiving. Gift-giving and receiving. And somehow, even though we would say the gift of our intention is the best gift, we then, you know, scuttle around behind and try to think of another way of doing a gift, right? There are things I have to do. I have to get the right gift for someone. I have to do the right thing to demonstrate to them my love. I, uh, I have to do this. And, oh, no, I don't want any gift. That, that's, oh, that's not what I'm trying to do, right? We get tied up in so many ways around gifts. So many ways. Why are we giving? Is it an act of generosity? Is it a convention? Sometimes conventions are entirely appropriate. But there's a lot less suffering around a spirit of generosity 
where what's important is the giving and not what we are giving. The giving and not what we are giving. I read an article, I think yesterday, in the New York Times, that evaluated, the social scientists are always looking at the process of gift giving and what is the perfect gift. So the perfect gift is uh, giving somebody what they ask for. That's perfect. That always gets a good response. It turns out all the other things that we do around gifts, like the thoughtful gift, the expensive gift, the gift that we spend so much time on that we, we make by hand so that we put ourselves into it, is pretty much received like any gift. The value of a thoughtful gift lies in the opening of our own hearts at the time that we are preparing the gift, thinking about the gift. Very often, when we're getting ready to give somebody a gift, there's, it's really important to be able to hand the gift to somebody. You know, you want to see their face, you want to see the face light up, and then if it doesn't, uh-oh. Because we have some kind of ulterior motive. It's like an unwritten contract. If I do this, then this will happen. But the real joy in giving happens earlier in the giving, not in the moment that they're receiving it. It's really in the giving. So don't forget to notice that. When you're wrapping up the present, notice how pleased you are. Try not to notice notice how anxious you are about whether they're going to like it. (laughs) Be present with your intention for the present. Be present with your intention. Oh, I hope they like this. And then it doesn't matter whether they like it or not. Can you get that? What's important is the, I hope they like this part. When I was in high school, I remember that a a friend gave me a gift, a Christmas gift. And I was so embarrassed because I didn't have one for her. I didn't have any money. I I had nothing. And and I thought, well, I, I can't accept this. And a very wise person said to me, please give her the gift of accepting her gift. Give her the gift of enjoying receiving the gift. I thought that was wonderful. It's sort of the unplanned gift, the gift of pleasure at receiving. We're so stuck with, I shouldn't be selfish, I shouldn't want anything. Well, just enjoy receiving somebody's gift. It's, It's like the spirit of Donna, really. Just enjoy receiving it. Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you. Then there's the issue of exhaustion. Do you ever feel tired around holidays? You know, really exhausted. (gasps) Yes, I'm exhausted. I can't do another minute. (laughs) 
Sometimes there is um, a self-congratulation attached to that exhaustion. I'm doing everything. I'm really doing everything. You know, almost, almost like a martyr complex. Sometimes the exhaustion is so that we don't have to really think about what we're feeling. That's a kind of pushing away kind of exhaustion. And then there's the over-efforting kind, where you're kind of pushing the noodle across the floor. Or you're, just, you're trying beyond the point where anything useful is going to happen. Watch, watch it. Oh, look at me. I'm trying so hard. Recognize the compassion for yourself in that. Oh, I'm trying so hard. Okay, good girl. Let it go, Maria. <laughs> Let it go. David Stendhal Rust said to David White, the antidote to exhaustion is not rest. It is wholeheartedness. When you're feeling exhausted, find your heart and celebrate what the heart wants to give. Find that place in yourself. This is why I'm running so hard. This is, this is my intention. And feel that intention in the present moment, not in the future. Don't put it off to the future. Feel that intention right now. There are all the things that we have to do around um, disappointment, too, you know. Because we have all these images in our head of what the good things are, how it looks good, it's very easy to become disappointed. So it doesn't do any good to just say, well, I'm not really disappointed. Notice the disappointment. Just don't let it take over. Okay, disappointed. Let it go. Not, I'm not going to retell the story. Oh, you always do this. If they give me another tie, I swear, they know I don't wear ties. Yeah. One year, everybody gave me teddy bears. What? You know, I, I, was, I was, it was in my early 40s, and people were giving me teddy bears. Somebody had given me one as a joke for my 40th birthday, and I had it sitting on a chair. So everybody said, oh, she likes teddy bears. So everybody bought me teddy bears. This is absurd, you know? What am I going to do with all these stupid teddy bears? Well, eventually, I gave them away one at a time to little kids. And I got an immense amount of joy out of the regifting. And then I was grateful for all those teddy bears. You know, sometimes disappointment can be looked at and then shelved. Okay, there's a little disappointment here. I get it. What's this about? Well, just admit that you don't know what the final outcome is. Sometimes disappointment proves a premise. I know it's going to be like this. They're going to give me some stupid gift. Or I know that so-and-so is going to start a fight. Or I know this is... And then as soon as something even closely resembles that, it proves we're right. Notice... Notice the desire to be right. Try to soften the desire to be right. Soften it. Try to laugh. When you see yourself doing some old mind habit, laugh. Don't condemn yourself. 
hold it lightly. There I go. Ha. Who knew? Ha. Avoid deciding this means fill in the blank. No, it just happened. It doesn't mean something. See this as a cause of suffering. Remember that not everyone has your understanding or perspective on what's happening. Have that conversation with some openness of being present for what's going on with them. What's going on with that person? What's my mind state? Am I anxious? Am I sad? Am I joyful? How's this affecting what's happening now? Am I listening to the person talking to me? Am I listening to myself? Am I here in this moment? Or am I back when I was 12 years old? Am I right here? Inhabit the moment. Inhabit the moment. And be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. There was a a short story I read. I don't know how many of you heard of O. Henry. He wrote a lot of short stories. Some people have remembered him. Okay, he had a great story, Christmas story, called The Gift of the Magi. And in this story, there was this young couple who were very poor. They had almost nothing. They were really struggling to get by. But they had two things in the family that were considered the family jewels. One of them was, in fact, a gold watch that the man had inherited it from his father, who had inherited it from his father. It was a, a gold pocket watch. And the, the, the woman of the couple was a beautiful woman. She had beautiful, long hair. And it was considered one of the, one of the blessings that they, they both loved her hair. So the woman decided she needed to get something for her, her partner for a holiday gift. And she went to someone and cut off her hair, sold her hair to buy a chain for that beautiful watch. And she was so excited. She, she went home, she curled her hair and tried to make it look good. And he walked in the door and his face fell. And she said, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Here, here, let me show you. I have this, it'll grow out, it'll grow out, and I have this wonderful gift for you. And she gave him the gift with the chain for the pocket watch. And he said, let's put this aside now. And he tossed his present down, which was a set of combs for her hair, which she had been looking at in a window. And of course, he stole the watch to buy the combs. I don't know what the lesson of this story is, except that in the story, there is love for one another. There's the desire to please the other. There is the folly 
of self-sacrifice. I think about that story, and it's called The Gift of the Magi. It's the name of the story. All conditioned things are impermanent. And mindfulness without a heart can be numbing and cold. Be kind. Don't be so sure that there's only one way toward happiness. Allow this time to be a time of an open heart. Allow this time to be a conversation with yourself, with other people. Notice the small and joyful. Don't run so fast that you miss that. Just the little things, just the little things. So I had a hard time choosing a poem because there were so many things that seemed to work. This is Just to Say by William Carlos William. I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet, and so cold. This is just to say, I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox, and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet, and so cold. Let your mindfulness be a route into your heart. Experience the joy in the moment. Accept, receive, give, and be open. I wish you great happiness in your holidays, before, during, and after. Thank you. Comments? Mm-hmm. Do we, can we use the mic? It's ethnocentric saying this. And, um. <laughs> and it doesn't address most of your talk, which I found really helpful and inspiring, so thank you. Um, so the wishing people Merry Christmas and how it's not culturally inclusive... And I'm, I'm not even like a pure Christian. I'm kind of like eclectic, a little bit of Christian. But to me, when I say Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, it, you know, it doesn't just mean that Christian celebration. It means the whole, um, the whole symbolism in, in a pure form, actually. It's a genuine wish for, um, for peace and happiness. And that miracle feeling that occasionally we do get and I want a way to say that, and when I say happy holidays, to me it doesn't quite mean much. So I, I guess I'm not sure how to address it, and I'm wondering how deeply it actually does offend people that maybe aren't Christian. 
I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I share this. I, as I said earlier, that, you know, Christmas has a, has a warm feeling for me in general. So, so um, I do try not to say Merry Christmas, though, because I do know people at offends that they feel discounted and uh, uh, dismissed when my intention is totally the opposite. So I usually say, may you be happy now, or maybe I'm, I'm thinking about you as I celebrate with my family, or some, some way that you can, can express what you actually feel in your heart. And I recognize being able to say Merry Christmas is a shortcut that has great meaning for you, and that it's not the meaning of the, necessarily the Christian uh, interpretation but it has to do with that outpouring of the season. And, and uh, you know, somebody gave me a, a Kwanzaa celebration thing one time. And I don't actually know anybody personally who's told me they celebrate that. And, it, it's, it, you know, it's kind of an attempt to, to honor a specific tradition. But it's kind of artificial, also, in the same way that Merry Christmas is artificial. It, 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 what we're trying to do is convey a meaning. So treat it like a conversation. Make sure you have someone's attention and look them in the eye. Don't let it be casual. It's not actually casual for you anyway. No. And then the right thing will happen. The right thing will happen. If you look somebody in the eye and you wish them, whatever you're wishing them, and it has your heart behind it, they'll see it. Now, they may not accept it. They may reject it. But if you've got their attention, they've got your message. Okay. I guess that's what confuses me because if if anyone wished me anything with a good wish behind it, I I would thank you. You I wouldn't think anything of it, really, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there there are people who struggle with their children where they want to, you know, they want to uh, de-emphasize the commercialism that surrounds the holidays. And for them, it becomes really important that you not reinforce that. You know, I get that. So, so, so what I do is I try to, I try to come up with happy holidays and have it connect to my heart. That's what I can do. But I'm not always successful. <laughs> so I get it. Anybody else have any suggestions on that? Things that work for them? You know what I, what I, I guess struggle is the, the word I should use. I mean, I'm pretty much a minimalist. I don't buy a lot of things. I'm cho- not because I can't. I just choose not to. I'm, I'm pretty much what I have is... is um, Actually, the clothes I wear are the same clothes, and even if I had many more clothes, I would still probably go to those clothes. So I'm, I'm pretty clear about what I, what I want or need. I find the whole holiday um, so consumer-driven that, um, you know, I, um, I, it's just, it, it's a, it turns me off. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps we could say Happy Holiday in July, or perhaps... <laughs> Perhaps we could, um, or perhaps I could, if I see something that, that one of the traditions in, in my family, my children are adults, is uh, 
pajamas from from my daughter and now son-in-law. So that's a, that's what they get. You know, I give them because, you know, long after I'm dead, I'm certain that she'll remember getting pajamas every year and laughing about it. So, um, so I'm really mixed. I mean, why? It's almost it's so artificial. Now is the time to say. Happy holidays. Now is the time to wish everybody well. Now is the time to get into incredible debt and buy gifts. And you know, I just find it all artificial. It, it's it doesn't see it doesn't come from at least my heart. And so most, I, I really don't want a whole lot to. I, I'm not really engaged in this, in 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 a lot of ways. I would rather you know say happy holidays in in August or buy a present for somebody I love because I think he or she would like it and, and you know in June so so it, it's 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 not easy this is not because you know I'm thinking okay do I I should be you know I should be dancing the dance here that's um Merry Christmas and consumer driven and um I almost resent it it's like no no you know not gonna, I'm not going to be dictated in what to buy and who to wish, you know, joyful happiness for. And, um, and it, even in my work, you know, I'm a healthcare professional, this is not a great time for a lot of people. You know, there's more overdoses, there's more suicidal ideation and attempts. There's, this is not, again, I think it's because it's this whole artificial, you know, this is how, you know, you should feel versus whatever you're feeling. Well, I think, yeah, I, I appreciate all of those thoughts. I mean, the, I deliberately put on this sweater this morning that I couldn't remember whether it was 25 or 30 years old. <laughs> um, and also, uh, I think that um, some of the best gifts I ever gave people were things that I made, that I gave everybody the same thing. You know, there are all kinds of things around gifts. But my favorite gifts are the ones I give at other times of the year. Because there are so many expectations around gifts at this time of year. And, um, you know, how we deal with that is a very personal kind of response. So some people say, please stop giving me gifts, for example. Um, and I think it's important to realize that not everything is around gifts. I spent a lot of time talking about gifts this morning, but I, I hope that I spent more time talking about all of those expectations that grow out of our desire for love. And that there are a lot of people, there are a lot of elderly people who don't have any friends left and, and no family that remembers them either. And that they're feeling those same urges, as you described. It's not necessarily around not getting a gift, it's around not having that love, that conversation that I was talking about more than anything. And that's an important thing to remember, so thank you for bringing that up. I think we need to uh, stop because we've run over our time, but thank you all. <laughs>